High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. All right, it's time for the Hook Health Checkup. Kira isn't with us this week, but she did insist that she be replaced by a member of the same gender. So I'm delighted <laughs> to welcome Dr. Sumi Dunn, a GP in the Midlands, lecturer in general practice, to good, the program. Good afternoon, George. Now, you are aware that this section believes implacably in the values of the rosary and stuff like that in the treatment oh, completely. of Oh, Yeah, and do I have to genuflex? <laughs> at the appropriate time. So okay, I'll ring let, let, I'll st- ring stick out the ring, George, and I'll kiss it. Yeah. Now, there are points, though, where also in tradition, I have more knowledge than the doctor. Qu- okay. Oh, no, that's fine. That's yeah. absolutely fine. Question one. I have a relentless, flaky, dry scalp. I've tried all types of shampoo, Man 60. Well, I have a relentless, flaky, dry scalp. I've tried these things which you can buy in your supermarket, which aren't soap. You probably know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, I... He said he's tried everything. I wonder has he tried that. Yeah, no, there's a, f- there's a few things that you can try. Uh, flaky ongoing scalp is a problem, as you know, especially if you're wearing the dark suits. The last thing you want is those flakes on your shoulders as you're walking around. Most common cause is something that we know of as a seborrheic dermatitis. And that just tells us that the skin is turning over on the scalp and it's shedding because that's what skin's meant to do. Uh, good old head and shoulders. That can work if you use the it regularly. The shampoo. And interestingly, what it's got in it, it's got some zinc in it. And that zinc is meant to calm the skin turnover. However, if it's not working for you, you can go one step up, which possibly what's happening here. Uh, So we've got some antifungal shampoos because sometimes the little trigger for these things are those irritating tiny little fungal hi-fi, the ones that can cause problems with your toenails as well. And you can buy this shampoo, Nizoral, over the counter, and that may be of benefit to you. Okay. But what you've well, all- just a matter of interest, because i got fungus everywhere. Have you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, should I shampoo my toenails as well? No, I'm not saying about the toenails. This is more specific uh, for, for the, the hair, hair. specifically okay. for right. the hair. And it does give you instruction. You don't need to use it every day. But what it can do, it can help control these little hyphae, these fungal hyphae. And if anything, it may give some alleviation. But the other things that, as always, you need to bear in mind, if it's ongoing for a long period of time, we would like you to get seen to just in case there is other fungus lurking as you know elsewhere yeah because there are a lot of fungi lurking around the place now a swollen gland under your jaw for leanne of 26 keeps coming and going if it keeps coming and going do you not worry about it it keeps coming and going that's kind of reassuring i like the fact that she's young she says she's fairly fit as well but again it It's something that does probably need to be checked at some point because if it's coming more than it's going, we want to know why it's coming. And around kind of the mouth and the jaw area, there are other things that we may not be so aware of. Could be dentition issues, uh, could be aspects around the lower jaw. So if it is persistent, and I'd say if it has been coming and going for about three months, it's worth just popping into the GP and having a chat about this. But it's interesting you mentioned the dentist Mm. because this is the dirtiest place in our body, isn't it? The mouth, the mouth oh. inhabits all sorts of stuff. Inhabit that area. Oh, listen, they say the human bite is one of the dirtiest you can get. You know, there's all sorts of things in our mouth. You know, uh, which is worth bearing in mind. Right, well, the distinctive tones of Kira Kelly aren't with us, but we've got <laughs> Dr. Sumi Dunn, GP, also, of course, in the Midlands now. I found this one really interesting because the listener has hormonal chain imbalance mm. but but the doc prescribed 
Amitriptyline, is it? Amitriptyline, yeah. 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 But but the listener says, is this an antidepressant? And if so, I don't want to take it. She's right. Amitriptyline is most commonly taken for um, what we call depression. But there's a whole load of medicines out there that we can use for what we say off-label use. So that gives us, as doctors, a little bit of leeway. So we know that... Antidepressant is, sorry for interrupting, antidepressant is scary. Now, I'm with this listener. Mm. No, it is scary, George. But you've got to remember, this may not just be for treating a mood thing. It's what we call this off-label use. So sometimes the drugs are not what they're labelled. They might be used for something like pain or it might be used to help her sleep if the hormone imbalance is causing her sleep issues. So it could be a multifactorial aspect why the drug's been prescribed. So even though the title is scary, there could be a benefit there and that's where the expertise of her doctors come in. Yeah, but you're following in a long tradition set by Dr. Kelly, defend the medical profession <laughs> at all not? costs. Why not? Why not? I mean, you don't accept that the doc's given her the wrong stuff then. They're probably overviewing the patient and knowing her and her history from a long established point of view and saying, what can we do? And what can we do to alleviate or possibly even help with what's going on at the moment? So again, it may not be the typical medicine that you might associate, but it might give some benefit. You wouldn't ask for a second opinion? At this stage, probably not. All right, but okay. If, if ongoing, again, you know, you know, it's worth seeing. Is there something to do with female GPs that seem so certain all the time? Is you there? see, we're multitaskers, George. We need to address loads of things. <laughs> we need to look after husbands as well. What's, what's Clozalaril? Because it's scaring the life out of Jim. Yeah, Clozalaril is a medication also known as clozapine. They're the same drug. Okay, Clozaril is what we call the brand name and Clozapine is the generic or the chemical name for the drug. And it's actually an antipsychotic medication that we do see in patients that have a particular type of schizophrenia that may not be treated with more conventional medicine. Now, Sorry, the question was, just so the listeners yeah. are aware, he says it's 250 megs or milligrams, milligrams. or whatever. Yeah, is it safe? No, the, you've, you're, you're moving into terrible, scary areas. No, yeah, no, I'm moving into... But it's just to give a background as yeah, to what yeah. the clozapine's for because it's not yeah, a medicine yeah. that a lot of people would see. Yeah. Around that kind of dose, that is a dose that we do see in patients once they've been commenced. They tend to start on lower doses, then they move up to higher doses for maintenance. But there's certain things, which I think this is what the listener's looking for, we're aware of. So we do do some tests, some blood tests before you start. And if the blood tests are okay, then we continue the medicine. And then once the medicine started, we do make sure that the patients come in for regular monitoring. Now, this is normally done through the clinics from which the drug is prescribed, because at any point, if the blood tests are not happy or we're not happy with them, we do start to stop the drug in its entirety. But isn't it, I, 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 this is kind of a hot spot with me, yeah. that, that once prescribed, these kind of drugs in relation to depression or psychosis or whatever... That once prescribed, the patient never comes off them. That's a hard one because sometimes, unfortunately, in some instances, patients may not realise if there is an acute psychosis that they may need the medication. And that's the difficulty there. And then it's very much in the patient's best interest together with everything else that's happening to see what we can do. But certainly with this drug, this drug needs careful monitoring. All right. Now... 
There's a few questions which, as I said, I'm really an expert in. Okay, all right, all right now, I'll stand back. Well, no, it's interesting. <laughs> the listener says, my snoring is getting out of control to right. the point my wife is now sleeping in the guest bedroom. I'm worried how will this affect our relationship. Now, this is precisely what happened in the Hook family, that as soon as the children left the house, <laughs> Ingrid went into the guest bedroom uh, in order to get a night's sleep. In fact, it's improved the relationship because now she gets a night's sleep. Would you concur or not? Uh, sure, I've been in the guest bedroom for years for the same reason. It's absolutely appalling, the noise in our house. But any reassurance, it's really common. Snoring's really common. At least 40% of us have partners that snore. And, and the, the partners usually are men, I guess, are they? They usually are men. Okay. And several reasons behind it. What I was going to say is, what's your collar size, George? Because the bigger the collar size, the likelihood is that you're going to snore. 18. That's a fairly big, that's a fairly big neck. <laughs> I've got a, <laughs> have you a thick neck? Have you a thick neck, George? <laughs> now, so, and the reason, there is a bit of science behind that. Because what they say is that the bigger the neck, it can put pressure around the soft airways. And that can collapse. And when these two soft tissues meet, that's when snoring occurs. All right, but the key thing for this fat poor fella is, it's not going to affect his relationship. It's actually a good thing. Depends what you think. How are you going to, you know, is it a good thing How are you that, going to engage in... Well, you know... Knock on the door and say, hi, are you awake? <laughs> I mean, for heaven's sake. <laughs> but if he wants, he can always <laughs> sew the good old-fashioned tennis ball into a sock onto the back of his pyjamas to keep the neck in a certain posture. Are you kidding but, me? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, that was quite well recognised. So nowadays, you can actually buy pillows which effectively do the same. All right. Now, I'm staying with things I know about because Claire <laughs> says George also on this topic. But but she said she, she's got lumpy veins, okay, right? Yeah. Okay. But she she's wearing support stockings all the way up to her thigh, okay? okay? But they're cut off at the toes. Is this a mistake, she says? Aren't most support stockings cut off at the toes? What kind of stockings are you talking about, George? Support ones. Support. Oh, okay. Just to clarify. (laughs) (laughs) Most of them now, um, you'll find a lot of them have the toe covered. Uh, I did have to chat to an expert about stockings, not my area of expertise. Uh, uh, A lot of them are cut off at the feet as well, and that's to help the toes you know, breathe, and so that they're not so tight around the feet. But she has veins in her toes as well. She's, it may be worth just checking the stocking size, just from a very practical point of view, to say if the legs are swelling through the day or there's been any changes, she might just need a different size or even a different brand may help. Um, I understand that she's tried full-length ones before, and that's caused her a lot of problems in the past, so that's why her stockings were changed. Yeah, what are the capillaries? What are they? Because this 50-year-old lady, mm. perfect health, but the capillaries swell on her hands and fingers. She can feel it coming before she sees it. And then when it happens, it feels like she's holding sharp glass. Yeah, the capillaries... And the doctor says, don't know. Capillaries are those tiny little blood vessels that we right. have at the end of our fingers and the end of our nose and the end of our feet. So they're really, really small. Um, I'm with her doctor on this one. You know, just, I don't know, can you see swelling? Tiny, tiny little things. You can feel them. But I, you know, I'm with her doctor on this one. I would probably not worry about this, even though it's causing her a lot of problems at the moment. Uh, The main reason I can't give her much more help on this one, I can't see her. And I haven't examined her. Sure. But but at the same time, because these capillaries are so small, it, it, it it's not time for panic. It's basically what, like, this isn't... 
a, 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 a symptom that of cardiac arrest or you I know whatever yeah no i wouldn't panic but what i don't know here are a lot of things i don't know if she smokes i don't know any previous history what other All drugs right, she's on sure. so it just makes it just a fraction difficult but capillaries as per se not as worried as if it was bigger vessels but but uh, listen will you can we say to people don't google can we say that about oh, health dr google now, oh, well, the like world's it, best consultant, isn't no, it? I, I finished. <laughs> I, not me, obviously. I finished breastfeeding two weeks ago. Now I have a small red mark on my red right breast. No lump, no sore. What does Google say? Aggressive breast cancer. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Google and this fantastic consultant, Doctor Google, always gives us the worst possible answers. Well, uh, Doctor Kelly does that too. Does she? Yeah. No, I wouldn't. Dial nine nine nine. Get an ambulance. <laughs> is invariably her answer. <laughs> But what I would say here is, number one, congratulations on the baby and fantastic that, she, you know, she, um, the baby's being breastfed. But with any breast issues, and again, this is a mark on the breast. I can't see it here today. So without seeing any kind of mark and without an examination, it's really hard to either reassure or assess the patient. All right. But my guest, remember, is Dr. Sumit Dunn, a GP in the Midlands, who's joined me this week because Kira can't be with us. The thing is, though, because we've got a radio program on health mm. we we have to have a cautionary warning. Look, we can't see us, we can't examine it, we can't touch it. But it is likely after some voraciously hunger, hungry infant has been feeding at your breast for a period of time that there would be a mark. Is that not, as a man, no, I have to qualify. No, 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 no. Um, you know, you're not wrong there. But again, this is a breast. This is a breast issue in a young female patient. There's a red mark that's persisting. She's stopped breastfeeding. I would want to see her. And I yeah. think her doctor would want to see no, her. On the I, and, and that's what we'd advise. But at the same time, she's only finished breastfeeding two weeks ago. Using the word persistent is a bit much, isn't it? Well, two weeks? Well, it's, it's been present. You know, you would expect any kind of red marks to go down within well, 24, 48 hours after, let's say, some sort of trauma if the baby's been feeding quite voraciously, as you've said. Wouldn't expect it to last two weeks, no. Mm, but if you've got a hematoma playing my beloved rugby, it might take two weeks to go away. No, you know, you're not wrong there, but it doesn't stay red. It tends to change colour, doesn't it? It goes kind of greeny, oh, black. Please don't use your excessive knowledge to put me <laughs> down. I'm sorry. Although I'm with Mike, who's 35. This is terrible. <laughs> Terrified me my entire life. He's got the worst body odor <gasps> yeah, ever. No. Gosh, yeah. Is that is that true? With all the things that you can get, it can happen. Yeah, can no, it, yeah, no, it can happen. And on, again, men, you poor guys tend to be a little bit more affected than women, and that's because you have more sweat glands. And also, just from a from a different note, from a vanity note, less men shave their armpits. The sweat tends to hang around on the hair. So, under the arms. I mean, do you think he should shave his armpits then? Well, it's not, it's, you know, I'm not being, you know, let's say flippant in this. It may help because the sweat lingers. Then you've got bacteria which break down the sweat. And it's when the bacteria break down the sweat, that's when we get that characteristic smell, the one that we associate with body odor. So, certainly in some instances, 
people have been advised to remove underarm hair and that may help. And does body odor essentially come from underarm? I mean, there must no, be a ton of places no, no, in your body no, where there it are, There are from. the places it lurks. Remember our fungi where it lurks? Yeah. So we can get odor from around the groin areas, anywhere where there's skin folds. In but essence. there also happens to be hair in the groin area. Exactly, as well. So you, I think it's called a Brazilian or something where they shave I'm off not, all your... I'm not suggesting anything that's all personal no, but, choice. No but, <laughs> no, but I mean, you are suggesting that hair and body there could be a connection there could be a connection but there's also other things that could come into play you know again if he's drinking lots of alcohol or if he's eating lots of spicy food or if he's slightly overweight as well all of these tend to kind of make body odor a little bit okay i buy that but hold a while now he's 35 he's Mm. had it since he was a teenager somebody surely said to him give up on uh, the chicken vindaloo on a Friday night after three pints of stout. I mean, you would have thought... Can you give it up after three pints of stout? I don't know, but I would have thought. Like, I spent an entire teenage... All my teenage years getting shafted by women and not not turning up for a date and convinced it was my body odour, so I tried everything. Yeah, the including stuff designed for dogs. <laughs> what we do know is that there are other things that can help. So, no. so we've got the good old antiperspirants and deodorants, yeah. and that you know, and I'm sure he's tried them all. But we've also got, let's say, more heavy duty ones. So I don't know if he's aware of those. And you can actually get a solution of aluminium chloride, which you can paint on under the arms, and you put it on the night before. And the reason behind that is that we don't sweat at night. Now, not unless you're doing nocturnal really activities. Not? Well, like I say, unless you've been busy no, through the really, night. No, really, do not. So you can put it on the night before. It seeps into the skin, and then theoretically, it's meant to block the sweating the next day. All right. But if I go on holiday, mm. right, and there's three men on the beach in shirts, it is guaranteed that the underarm portion of the three shirts will be <laughs> no, will be different, isn't that Absolutely. so? Absolutely, because every man will react differently. Every man will react differently. They'll react differently to heat, and also the shirt that you're wearing. So those. Football jerseys that everybody wears are absolutely lethal in terms of sweating and attracting body odor. They're not natural fabrics. Skin can't breathe, so the skin can't. The sweat. What's can't a be natural broken. fabric in relation to a shirt? Cotton, I suppose. Cotton, wool, silk, all of the finer things. <laughs> he, well, a former prime minister, maybe when he bought those shirts in Paris, he was <laughs> suffering from uh, body odor. I didn't know him well enough. Listen. Uh, do come back soon. Oh, thank you very much. I'd be thrilled. Uh, we we, we uh, look forward to seeing you again. Thank you very much, George. Uh, it's the Hook Health Checkup. You can, of course, all you need to do, in fact, as many of you do, are doing, and we'll deal with those next week, is send your questions to 53106 by text, and next week we'll have them for you here on uh, High Noon. My thanks to Dr. Sumi. And more next week.